Welcome to the 90th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Sophie Littlefield that I recorded at the Thriller Fest conference in New York City. Littlefield is the author of the Stella Hardesty crime series, the Aftertime series, which is post-apocalyptic fiction, and many other novels. Stay tuned for the interview. So welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Sophie Littlefield. Sophie is the author of a crime mystery series. The latest book in the series is A Bad Day for Mercy. Sophie has also had a post-apocalyptic series published, the novels Rebirth, Aftertime, and Horizon. Sophie also has a YA novel that will be published in the fall. We're conducting this interview at Thriller Fest in New York City. Sophie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Well, wow, you're a busy writer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> As I just explained in the intro. Yeah. First, let's talk about your Stella Hardesty crime series in your latest novel, A Bad Day for Mercy. If the listeners haven't heard about the novel yet, how would you describe it? Stella Hardesty is a 50-year-old vigilante, basically. She lives in rural Missouri, and she was a domestic violence victim for 30 years. Uh, And then she killed her husband, uh, did not go to jail, and formed a business helping other abused women take care of their own abusers. Um, Believe it or not, it has a lighter or comedic tone, which I'm not really sure how I pulled that off. Uh, And in the course of the series, she runs into a variety of different scrapes where she's called upon to help... um, to help those that have been victimized. Great. Well, that's definitely a unique uh, take on a series. Do you remember how you got the original idea? I do. (laughs) I do indeed. I had been writing for a very long time, and I'd written um, eight other novels, a variety of different genres, and they had sort of cleaved to traditional models and used protagonists who were perhaps a bit more expected um, or more... um, more common in the genre, and I was just fed up because I could not get I could not get the attention of an agent or editor. So I decided to do something just for me, and I was sort of approaching middle age, and I was a little irritable. So I thought I would I thought that an angry middle aged woman was sort of an intriguing idea. Now it turned out to be a really tough sell, as you might guess, and um, <laughs> I did make the rounds. That book uh, went to eighty agents and was rejected, um, but Barbara Poyle, who is my agent now. Uh, found something to like about it and that started a collaboration that continues today. She's my agent. She's fantastic. She's a champion of the quirky voice or the fresh idea, I guess I'd say. And she sent it out to seven uh, editors and was sort of roundly, if politely, rejected. Uh, I think there was a lot of hesitation about a character who is so unexpected. I should add that Stella is not a beauty queen. Uh, so she she kind of breaks a lot of the mold. She's um, she's more of an every woman character, and I wanted her to stay that way. I received some interest from agents and editors who felt that if she were toned down or prettied up or made younger, uh, that she might be a viable character. But we weren't willing to do that, and eventually we did find a home for Stella. So she was published by St. Martin's Press. Uh, Tony Plummer was my editor, um, and we were able to bring her to life as she was rather than rather than changing her and, and what is the reaction then to the series well I have received a delightful reaction I it's I was gonna say mixed but it really hasn't been mixed I've received support from men from women um, I had expected a uh, middle-aged readership and I have that um, I, a lot of people buy my books for their mothers which early on 
I found a little terrified because, I, I mean, there's a lot of rough language, a fair amount of violence and sex in the books. Well, actually, there's not that much sex on the page, but, but Stella does have kind of a randy personal life. So I was worried about that, but I have received such great support from mature ladies from my age up to, you know, quite elderly women. And it turns out that all women sort of have a, a taste for vengeance, I suppose, um, because the truth is that in our society today, it's rare to get to maturity or middle age without having been the victim of some sort of uh, poor treatment. And I'm not saying abuse by any means, but one of the things that Stella fights against is societal expectations, and I think we all have felt the sting of that. Sure. And so so I found an audience, and I was grateful for that. So so what was your experience like of, of writing, I think you said eight novels, and then, and then you know, writing this one, which was, you know, definitely a departure from, you know, the typical crime or mystery series. Do you feel like that kind of... Um, uh, had any impact in some of the other stuff that you're doing, your YA or your, your post-apocalyptic? Yes, definitely. Um, I had written, in addition to the novels that I had written, I wrote um, 20 true confessions uh, back in the 90s, I suppose, at this point. Um, and they taught me to, they're a wonderful tool to learn to, to, to write a tight arc. The names of the stories are, are a little bit silly, um, for instance, I wrote one called I Was a Priest's Love Toy. Um, but it teaches you to, to compress story into a framework, and that was very valuable. I also have been a member of Romance Writers of America for many, 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 many years. Um, and I don't write romance, but I learned a lot from them as well. And then of the books that I had written, those eight books, I, some of them were romances. Um, I was not able to sell those. I wrote women's fiction. And interestingly, I have a women's fiction book coming out next January, so I've sort of returned to that. It's called uh, Garden of Stones, and it'll be coming out from Mira. Um, and it is also, a, it's a women's fiction thriller, I suppose. And I also wrote um, a procedural at that time. Um, and, interestingly, I have a procedural coming out this fall from Simon Schuster Pocket. Um, so I did return to some formats that I experimented with earlier. And, um, yeah, I, I love the experience of writing in all different genres, and I actually feel you didn't ask but I'll, t I'll say it anyway <laughs> I think that genre has different genres have more in common than they have that separates them so I'm often asked like how can you do these different genres but I really find that the experience has it's very consistent you're writing an arc with personal conflict external conflict um, character resolution you know there's so much in common and it's the things that that differentiate them are are smaller in my mind and so what was it like when you had that first book published do you remember that experience? <laughs> it was amazing. Although I have, to t I have to tell you, nothing beats your first publication experience. And my first publication experience was a true confession. Right. And I remember walking to Walmart many, many years ago. I think I had I had a baby, my first. Uh, he's now 19. And I walked into the Walmart, and the thing about true confessions is there's no byline. So your name isn't on it. But the name of the story was on the cover, and I just about fainted. It was the most fantastic moment, you know. <laughs> for, for sheer publishing joy of my life. Now, when A Bad Day for Sorry came out, um, that was wonderful, too. And But it's different because, um, you know, I had a long-standing writer community that was very supportive. I've been in the same critique group for over a decade, and and they were uh, they were wonderful. I'm kind of an introvert, so I didn't do... I don't like to do a big launch party or anything. I don't like to be the center of attention, so so I didn't do that. But I did go out and I celebrated with my friends, and that's a tradition that we, we maintain today. And because they're all writers, we, we do it for 
when any of us has a new book out, we go in and we celebrate. And there's usually a bar involved, and, and that suits me just fine. <laughs> Great. Well, let's talk about your post-apocalyptic novels. Um, I first heard about you when I uh, read Paul Goat Allen's review um, of your novels, and he raved about them. What was it about the post-apocalyptic setting and, and genre that interested you and appealed <laughs> to you? Well, I mentioned earlier that I have a that I collaborate closely with my agent Barbara, and um, she and I a number of years ago were at a conference somewhere, and she was saying, you know what I don't have on my list is, you know I don't I don't have, you know a zombie novel or a um, a sur- apocalypse survivor novel, um, and we started talking about if we were to do such a thing, and it was all conjecture at that point what would make ours different and what was lacking from some of the things out there and you know a lot of people at the time were were, were spending a lot of effort on the is zombie dead mm-hmm. discussion and, and we didn't really spend much time on that we were talking about w- what could make a series character compelling and uh, we knew that we would probably do a female character because most of my not all but most of my protagonists are female um, and we knew that uh, again, most of my characters ha- are parents, and and the the mother child bond is an important feature. So we we thought that would be important. And then um, then I started talking to my brother Mike Cooper, who is an author also. He's the author of Clawback. Um, and Mike is much better at the science and and gadget aspects of things. So Mike and I started talking about technically how we would end a world, and we settled on this sort of bioterror uh, thing. And, and, I, and I did get a lot of help from Mike with that. And also my editor, Adam Wilson, who has since left um, Luna, which is the, the, the uh, imprint that, that put that out, and moved to another house. But Adam and I um, became very close over the, over the development of the series. And he and I spent a lot of time going, what if, what if? Because we wanted our series to be different. We wanted it to be very character-driven, which I think it is. And um, we wanted it to really focus on the how would humans behave element. Uh, at least as much as the how would the earth restore itself element. So are you going to write any more of those? I would love to. Not I, I probably won't do another zombie novel because I also right. I also did a young adult uh, zombie zombie book. But and I that's really, the that's the YA that's about to come out. Actually, no. Oh, the, okay, uh, okay. My first two YAs were were a two part series, Banished and Unforsaken, and they have a minor minor plot element that involves zombies. Um, my new young adult is a standalone that's coming out in September. It's called Hanging by a Thread, and it, it has a minor paranormal element, but I've really kind of gotten away from that there. What I'm interested in doing in my adult novels, and, and I don't have anything under development right now, but I would like to return to that sort of character-driven horror-slash-apocalypse-slash-you know, ordinary humans in extraordinarily daunting circumstances um, setting and I, I actually have an idea. I've got about a quarter of a novel written. Um, I'm I am really excited about it, but I can't write it until I finish everything else on right. my on my <laughs> on my that I'm actually contracted for. So um, it'll be a while. But I am. But yes, I will definitely return. So so what was the writing process like for you with the YA? Did you did you find yourself um, having to pull back at all, or or or, or what what was that like? Yeah, that's a question that a lot, uh, young adult authors are often asked. And the truth is that young adult audiences do not want less of anything. They, their language is sophisticated. They, they, they do want a fair amount of pace, of action. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I think that's true of an adult thriller writer as well. Um, I actually write for a, a, an older young adult audience, so some of my themes are more mature. Um, I, I am a firm believer as the mother of teenagers that children will find the books that are right for them. I don't believe in censorship in any form. I think that you can give your children, or expose your children to an, a variety of books and they will find the ones that are right for them, both at a maturity level intensity level, language level, everything. So like I said, I, I do tend to write for a bit older mm -hmm. teen, um, but no, I don't, I haven't pulled back, except in very specific ways that you could probably imagine, right, like right. You know, certain things we don't we don't discuss with sure, children, sure. But, but everything else I think is, is pretty consistent. So, so what is the writing process like for you? Do you do you outline extensively? Do you write more organically? What what's that like? I have tried everything. <laughs> I have, and I still. So I've written. I'm on my like I don't know, nineteenth, twentieth book, something. And I've tried everything. I early on, I, I I was a fan of these. My friends and I would get these huge lengths of butcher paper, and we would outline them. And then we would go back and use index cards and colored highlighters. And there's a number of people out there that that are champions of this process and teach it. Um, and I'm not going to say it didn't work. I mean, I, I got a book out of it, but it didn't feel entirely right. And so then I tried the see the pants method. I've done that a number of times. And now, sometimes now when I work with my editors, we'll, we'll flesh out a story more for a variety of reasons, because it's something that needs to fill their line or because um, they're trying to go in a particular direction with the story. So I guess that's a type of outlining. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very long way of saying I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea, but each book seems to choose its own uh, developmental pace, right. and I, I try to just sort of respect that. Gotcha. Um, what tips or advice would you offer aspiring writers who are trying to, to write and publish their own novels? That's funny. I, just the other day, I was, I, was, I was reviewing. I had read a book called Crooked Letter, Crooked Letter a mm -hmm. couple years ago. It's a fantastic book. And for reasons I've now forgotten, I was reading a Tom Franklin interview, and at the very end they ask him this question, and Tom Franklin is a, a measured speaker, man of few words, and he said, well, I'd advise you to sit down and write every day, and uh, he's absolutely right, and then he, and then he said, um, I'd advise you to continue reading, you cannot be a writer without reading, and then he, he pauses and he says, it's amazing to me how many writers don't do that, and I think that's true. If you get your ass in the chair and keep it there, you will improve as a writer, and I'm a firm believer in that. I was just talking to a friend about um, the dangers of taking days off, and I fully respect that many authors have jobs, children, and other distractions, and I, I was in that position myself. I'm a full-time writer now, but I've been in the position where I couldn't get to the chair every day. But to the extent that you can, you must, because when you walk away from your story, it, it abandons you a little bit, and it, mm -hmm. it's going to be much, much harder to get back to it. Right. So, ass in chair. <laughs> so, as a mother, uh, how, how did you how did you kind of do it? Did you um, uh, wake up early, stay up late? Well, I was lucky because I was a stay-at-home mom, and um, I was not able to work when my children were young. My my brother and I talk about this a lot. When your kids are young, some people are able to to sustain a publishing career. He and I both found that to be challenging. So there's a big gap in my... You know, I, I continue to write, but I got a lot less done. Um, nowadays, my, I have one daughter in high school and one son in college. And for the last few years, with high school students, um, I had long, more time because they were away and they had their activities. Back when they were in middle school and I was doing a lot more carpooling and, and volunteering... You know, I got really adept at taking whatever blocks of time I had and using them. Mm -hmm. I, I sort of scoff at people who 
who insist that they have a rarefied writing environment. I, th I think that's ridiculous. And I think each of those children, those writers should go out and get a toddler and try to work for a week because they will be a stronger writer at the end of it. So it made me adaptable. Gotcha. Um, you just talked about reading earlier. Um, what have you read like in the last six or eight months that, that really made an impression on you? So I'm, as everyone is, a fan of Gillian Flynn's book, right. Girl. Um, I read Megan Abbott's um, Not Dare Me, the one before that. I'm sorry, I'm, it's escaping my mind, but I'm a huge fan of Megan Abbott's. Um, I'm, I read a novel by a, a guy who is not yet published, but will be, um, and that's Benjamin Whitmer. Um, he's a fantastic writer of darker crime stories. And um, Steve Ulfelder's uh I, I encountered his first book through a friend, but um, he's fantastic, and his second book absolutely lives up to the promise of his first. That's great. Um, what are you working on now? So right now I'm finishing my second standalone young adult thriller, and um, then I'll be working on an adult thriller for the remainder of the year. Um, and then, yeah, I have a pretty packed schedule, and I kind of like it that way. <laughs> Great. Where can people find you online? SophieLittleField.com. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Sophie Littlefield, author of the Stella Hardesty crime series. Her latest novel is A Bad Day for Mercy. It's available in bookstores now. I'll also have links to a lot of her other books. Sophie, thanks for doing the interview. Thank you so much. Sure. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.